Welcome back to the AM show. I'm Miles Davis alongside Andre Monroe. Andre, how's it going today? Going pretty good, Miles. Today was my last day of school, so it's pretty good. But what about you? Pretty good, man. I'm happy to hear that today was your last day of school. So summer is finally here for you, man. But I am finally. happy because the Sixers just won or up 2 1 against the Atlanta Hawks. So let's get right into it. And we're going to talk about the Sixers. So. As you know, as the time of this recording, the Sixers have a 2-1 to lead over the Atlanta Hawks. They just beat them 127-111. to So, Andre, what were your thoughts on this game? And, Moz, when you say just, I mean literally. We are recording this a minute after, two, one to two minutes after the series or the game just finished. So, it's pretty exciting. We get our immediate post-game reaction thoughts on this. And my thoughts are, one, uh, it was an entertaining game. I mean, the refs were kind of annoying at the end and throughout the game. But other than the refs being too involved it was a pretty good game um we saw ben simmons be more aggressive we saw tobias harris take over like he usually has been doing i mean tobias harris playing good i mean that's something you can count on uh last year you couldn't really count on tobias harris or the year before you couldn't really count on tobias harris showing up and it's almost as if every single game if i if i were a betting man i would bet that tobias harris would have 20 plus every single game and he's been producing that in the playoffs so far so props to tobias harris he's been one of our most consistent players this season along with joel and giving you his normal 27 9 8 what a great stat line um but yeah it was a great game uh what do you what, do you, what were your thoughts on it yeah i was really happy to see tobias harris continue to stay consistent and Ben Simmons be aggressive. But one of the people that I wanted to mention was Furkan Korkmaz because even though Danny Green went out very early on in this game, Furkan Korkmaz stepped it up when the Sixers needed him. He had 14 points. He had a plus minus of 24 and he shot three for six from three. That's exactly what we needed from Furkan and he played really well And the Sixers starting lineup as a whole played pretty well. Each of them except for Danny Green because he was hurt ended up in double figures. So I'm really proud of the Sixers team and how they played tonight. So hopefully they can continue this uh, in game four, which I think is Sunday. I, game four is Monday, I believe. Ah. The, the NBA is so weird with scheduling this year. I, I don't even understand it. But another thing I want to touch on is Ben Simmons being more aggressive. I mean, it was like after halftime, you just came out with uh, just aggressively like I've never seen him do and probably – uh, since the beginning of this year, their regular season. And it's interesting because, I mean, even when he didn't make shots, he was driving to the rim with uh, with authority and, like, he knew what he wanted to do. Because if you look at Ben Simmons in the first half and really Ben Simmons overall, he, he's usually kind of indecisive with what he wants to do as a scorer. Um, and that's something that's been his downfall. But this game, or after the first half and the third quarter specifically, he had intent, and that's what we saw with him being aggressive to the rim, being aggressive on defense, uh, and doing his usual playmaking that he does. So it was a great performance from Ben Simmons. I was really excited to see him actually be aggressive in this game. Yeah, I feel like when Ben Simmons, I feel like the thing that Ben Simmons did really well in this game was take was utilize the mismatches that came his way. So in the situations that someone like Danilo Gallinari would be covering him. He would immediately go to the post and go to work and hit him with his classic hook shot, and it would go in, or he'd force Gallinari to foul him. And I feel like that is good offense by the Sixers. I mean, sure, Ben Simmons can't really shoot free throws, but, I mean, it's still it's yeah. still the right idea, you know? 
And I feel like he's been a worse free throw shooter right now than he's ever been. I mean, what is he shooting in this in this uh, playoff so far? I, I think it's under 50%. I'm pretty sure it's under 50% that he's shooting from the free throw line. And that's, of course, been his downfall his entire career, really. But um, what else do I want to touch on? Ben Simmons, uh, great performance, like I said. Also, I wanted to touch on this from Ben Simmons. Like you said, he was he was doing good stuff in the half court offense, and we don't usually see that from Ben Simmons. We usually see his most of his points are generated through the fast break or putback points. But you could see after the uh, after halftime, he was getting the ball in the post. He wasn't uh, getting most of his points from the fast break or from putbacks. He was getting the ball in the post, making a quick move or two, and going to the rim. And that's that's what I want to see from Ben Simmons. Of course, the putback dunks are great. The fast break dunks with no one contesting you that's great too it it uh it creates a lot of highlight plays but what i want to see from ben simmons is the half court offense evolving in his game and we saw a little hit of that uh in this game absolutely so andre what do you think before we before we move on to our next our next matchup what do you think the six what are your what are what is your thoughts on the sixers going into game four do you think they're going to be able to take that three to one series lead against the hawks i think i i think they will and i was actually kind of concerned before this game of course i know the sixers are the better team but a lot of people um a lot of people talked about atlanta and their home quarter advantage and especially after seeing how they played in, in atlanta in the Knicks series i was kind of hesitant to pick the sixers in this game because of that Atlanta home court advantage and how better Atlanta plays when they're at home. Now, after seeing this performance, I am not that worried. The Sixers, of course, they are a great road team. Uh, well, not a great road team, but they're a g- exceptional road team. They're a good road road team, um, and they showed that today. Uh, that Atlanta home crowd, it didn't really affect the Sixers as much as I thought they would. And Atlanta Hawks, I thought that they would play to the crowd more, and they would um, kind of go on runs forced by the crowd or uh, supported by the crowd, but I didn't really see that today, and that's why I'm going to pick the Sixers the next game, too, and game four. What about you, though? Andre, I will pick the Sixers, but the one thing that worries me is because two years ago, when we played the Toronto Raptors in the series, and we were up, it was tied 1-1, we went, we won game three convincingly, but then game four, when we had the chance to bring it up 3-1, we lost. And I feel like if there is one game that's going to give us trouble, it's always game four in the second round. So I feel like if there is a time for the Sixers to lose, it would be this game. But I think that this year is different. For some reason, I believe that this team is different from the others. And because of that, I think the Sixers are going... I also think the Sixers are going to win game four and bring and take it to Philly with a 3-1 lead. Yeah, definitely different i mean look at that team where we faced the raptors i mean we did not have a seth curry we did not have uh, the 2021 version of tobias harris we did not have the 2021 version of joel Embiid. we have a lot of great role players great contributions from just i mean it could be any given game and we get a random great performance from a bench player today was fork on cork mods last game was shake milton um some games are tyreek's maxi so and dwight howard of course so like you said, very different, and I can't wait until game four. All right, now let's move on. We're going to talk. We're still going to hang in the Eastern Conference. Recently, we're going to talk about the game that happened yesterday, the Brooklyn Nets versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, 
the Nets actually lost this game, game three. Now, apparently, Andre, they were the Bucks were actually favored, but I wanted to hear your opinion on if you were shocked by the Nets losing and the way that they did. I was actually shocked by the Nets losing in the way they did because you look at the both teams, even the Bucks too, the Bucks and the Nets, they were both two top five offenses in the regular season. And the game was 86 to 86. You do not see that in modern basketball anymore. A game, not like you don't even see games in the 90s anymore. And to have a game in the 80s with star players like Giannis, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and the game playing, it's kind of surprising. But that's just a testament to the defensive performance in that game. The defense for Milwaukee definitely stepped up. That's what they would have to do to win the series. They, I said that they would have to have great defense and use their defense to uh, use play off their uh, defense on the offensive end. And that's what they kind of did in this game. They still sucked on offense, but at least they picked it up on defense. They limited they limited the Nets to only 86 points. I think it was 86 to 89, excuse me, uh, to only 86 points, which is pretty surprising given the Nets roster, given the next team and their offensive stats this season. But, um, yeah, I don't think, honestly, Miles, I don't think that's going to be a repeat performance. Though. I don't think they can repeat this performance. And I think, unfortunately, this will be the only game that the Bucks win this series. I completely agree. I do still think of this as going to be a gentleman's sweep. But I do feel like that when I, when I looked at this matchup, I did think that the only way for the Milwaukee Bucks to win games is if they could either limit their limit Brooklyn Stars or have their stars shine so bright that Brooklyn can't do anything. Mm -hmm. And that's what the Celtics did. That's how the Celtics took game three from... Yeah, Tatum dropped 50. Exactly, game three in the Eastern Conference first round. So I do feel like... And these games happen, you know? There's always that... There's usually that one game where a team superstar will show out, especially when they're playing a higher, a tougher or higher quality opponent like the Brooklyn Nets. And in this case, Giannis and Chris, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Milton played an astounding game, combining for 68 of the Milwaukee Bucks' 86 points. This is insane. And I, to be honest, I'm just truly shocked that, that, like, that is even at that line. Yeah, how often do you see that? I mean, Giannis scored 33, Chris Middleton scored 35, and the next highest score was Drew Holiday with nine, and then the next highest score score was Bobby Portis with four points so that's pretty surprising but let's look at the net side of things Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving combined for 52 of their 83 points so it was another offensive star performance on the other side where the two offensive stars did most of the scoring and I mean Bruce Brown did contribute with 16 points but the next closest was only five points from Blake Griffin so again it was on the other side of things Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving uh, it was kind of a a game of duos with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving contributing to most of the Nets points and Giannis and Chris Middleton on the other side of things. Um, but again, I do not see this repeating. This is really, this is a weird occurrence. It's, it's kind of rare for this to happen. Absolutely. And I feel like whether or not James Harden comes back into this series is going to be the defining factor. And I feel like it could also really shorten this series. But I do yeah. feel like this is only delaying the inevitable i feel like brooklyn is still gonna find a way to cruise by in game four speaking However, of i'm sorry to cut you off but speaking of james harden have you seen an update on him at all 
Um, I have not. And that's, I don't want to, I don't want to assume anything, but that's usually, that's usually hinting at bad news where we don't really get a time frame. We just, all I've seen from James Harden is he's going to be out for this game. He's going to be out for this game. There hasn't been a time frame. There hasn't been a real diagnosis um, other than the ha- right hamstring. So I'm kind of concerned with that. You, of course, want both teams playing at their best ability, their strongest ability. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if anyone knows update about James Harden. I haven't seen one. Yeah, neither have I. And it makes and it makes me grow a little bit of concern on whether or not, or if if or when he's going to come back. But I do think that the Brooklyn Nets will be able to take this series with or without him, and hopefully, by our predictions, uh, he'll be back for the Sixers series, so that we can get a good matchup between the two superpowers in the Eastern Conference. Definitely, definitely. But we can move on to the next topic if you don't have anything else to say with the Bucks and Nets. I believe the next game is Sunday, I'm going to say. Sunday. It should be tomorrow, but again, with the weird NBA scheduling, it's. I th- I'm pretty sure it's Sunday. Um, and yeah, for me, I have the Nets taking that game. Miles also has the Nets taking that game. So yeah, I mean, gentlemen sweep. I think we both agree on that. But the next series is going to be the which one are we doing next clippers versus jazz clippers versus jazz so what what are your thoughts on the last game not just the last game but the whole series in total the jazz are up two and oh right now yeah donovan mitchell is very good at basketball he is very 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 good at basketball and i also but i i can't take away credit from that entire utah jazz team i think that utah jazz team is amazing and they are a very dangerous threat to come out of the Western Conference. And I feel like whoever they play, I, but also I'm interested to see because this is exactly what happened last time in the previous series. So technically we can't count the Clippers out because they were down two and found a way to win in seven. Mm-hmm. But at that same time, this Jazz team is a very different team than the Dallas Mavericks because even though the Dallas Mavericks have that superstar player in Luka Doncic, I feel like the Utah Jazz have done a better job at surrounding their star player with good compliments to help him and the team as a whole succeed. So I don't think that the solution is going to be as easy to find as it was for the Mavericks, where it's just Luka and then his supporting cast, but they're not as... Uh, they're not they're not as supportive, I'd say, in comparison to what the Jazz have. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Clippers. I mean, it feels like some games they get key contributions from players like Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris. Then other games, their supporting cast just doesn't show up. And sometimes it looks like a lack of talent. Then sometimes it just looks like a lack of discipline and a bad performance by the Ty Lue, the coach. Uh, but Kawhi Leonard, he's been doing his thing um, in these playoffs so far. But it just hasn't been enough to make me believe that they are actually going to go far. Um, they won the, against the Mavericks, which went down to a Game 7. But I am a firm believer that they will get knocked out in this round. Because the Jazz, they just have a better roster than them. They're just outmatched by the Jazz. Um, they're better coached, better discipline, um, better on the both sides of the floor, um, better execution, uh, and better on all facets, really. So, like you said, Donovan Mitchell... 
is a very good basketball player, very bad man. I actually, uh, I've been anti Donovan Mitchell for the last couple of years because of the whole rookie thing. But mm -hmm. I have to admit, he's a great player. He's a great player. And he's evolving into one of the best players, one of the best young players. And I get that he doesn't really get enough media attention because he's in Utah and no one comes to Utah. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's he needs to get more recognition. Absolutely. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see how the Los Angeles Clippers, if the Clippers, in fact, lose in the second round for like, I don't know, what? the seventh time in their existence. They haven't even made the conference finals in their franchise history. I don't know what the Clippers organization is going to do because you have Kawhi Leonard who's likely going to opt out, who could opt out if he was interested and leave. And then what do you do? Do you build around Paul George? Do you go for a rebuild for the first time in a while? Because you traded away one of your best play, your best young players to get Paul George and Shai Gillis Alexander, and he's in Oklahoma City, and he's developing really well. So, I I'm wondering if if in the event that the Clippers do lose this series, and I feel like we're talking about this every round now because we were talking about this, yeah, in the first round when they were down 2-0, is what the heck are they going to do in the event that Kawhi leaves because they have not been performing? I don't know what they do, but it's it's like a growing percentage chance that a growing uh, chance that Kawhi Leonard is going to walk, and that's that's a reality that Clippers fans will have to face eventually. Seeming it seems like uh, that's what's going to happen. But I do want to touch on Rudy Gobert before we end this conversation because. Of course, in the time span that we did the last podcast, Rudy Goldberg won Defensive Player of the Year and Nikola Jokic won MVP. And those are both uh, awards that were won over two Sixers that were also candidates in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So uh, let's focus on Rudy Goldberg here, though. What was your opinion on Rudy Goldberg winning Defensive Player of the Year this year? Listen, Rudy Gobert is a very talented defender. I don't want to take away credit from him from his ability to guard in the paint block shots, get rebounds, and make it a very great, large impact defensively. But he is not guarding all positions. He's not capable of guarding each position on the floor to a high degree in the level that Ben Simmons does that. I strongly believe that Ben Simmons should have won Defensive Player of the Year, and I just don't see why they gave it to Rudy Gobert. But I feel like this is a center's award a lot of the time, and I feel like they really don't really define what defensive player of the year is. Like, if it's just blocks, then just say it's, oh, mm -hmm. he blocks shots. He's defensive player of the year. Instead of saying, oh, he plays defense, perimeter and interior defense. And because he does both, he's a defensive player of the year. Instead of being one or the other, which is what the NBA Media, what the NBA media has decided to choose, and I'm and I'm kind of frustrated about that. Yeah, Miles, I was sitting on my bed playing 2K when I got the notification that Nikola Jokic won MVP, and after seeing that, I wasn't too surprised nor mad because Nikola Jokic is a guy who does deserve MVP, and I do get uh, Joel Embiid's absence impacted the voters' decision to yes. make Nikola Jokic MVP. Of course, so I understood that. But when I saw when I got the notification that Rudy Gobert won Defensive Player of the Year, 
I just didn't That's understand it. That's entirely different. And here's why. Ben Simmons guards one through five. Ben Simmons guards the opposing team's best player each and every night on the perimeter, on the interior, all, all over the court, right? All over the court, one through five, opposing team's mm -hmm. best player. Rudy Goldberg sits under a rim for 30 minutes. And, of course, he's a great <laughs> rim protector. He blocks shots in the paint. He, uh, he stops... Uh, athletic guards like John Moran and other these other athletic guards from getting into the paint and making shots and that's a great viable asset to have on your team but there is no way that a guy who sits under the rim for 30 minutes when when Rudy Gobert goes to the perimeter he gets I mean his Exposed. ankles his, his, his ankles pray for him pray for his ankles because they get taken each and every time he steps on the perimeter or even close to the perimeter of course, he's a great rim protector, great uh, defensive player under the rim, but that's his only, one and only great uh, kind of uh, great asset as a defender for him. He, does not, that's, he doesn't guard one through five. He doesn't really lock up anyone. He's just a great rim protector, and he does it at an elite rate. But Ben Simmons guards one through five, guards the opposing team's best player, Every, each and every night and excels at it he doesn't at an elite level so there's no reason why rudy goldberg should won the defensive player of the year award over ben simmons and we need i don't care that's a center award i don't care that we usually give it to centers um and i don't care that rudy goldberg uh i i recall an incident where rudy goldberg actually he got sad over rudy over uh losing to someone i forgot who it was but he lost to someone for an award and ever since then the man won like three straight defensive player of the years i mean what's going on uh but that's my rant for today ben simmons is your 2021 defensive player of the year and no one can tell me otherwise and i feel like that is a great way to wrap up wrap it up and i completely agree with that andre but yeah that's all we have today from the a&m show from andre i'm miles we'll see you next time